This is Dojo Live, Tech Without Borders, stories that bring us together. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode, the first episode of the week of Dojo Live this Tuesday, September 27th. My name is Kim Lantis, and it's my pleasure to be hosting today along with America Guerrero. Oh, America's muted. Hey, hey, America, no problem. Uh, First disclaimer of the day, I am kind of coming down with a bit of a cold, so if I have to mute or get hacky or sneezy, I apologize. You look perfect. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. And of course, the star of today's show is Rudradeb Mitra, the CEO of Amdana. Rudradeb, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks a lot for inviting me. Yes, all the way from Portland, a nine-hour difference, 7 o'clock p.m., right? So we especially appreciate your your time today, and we definitely look forward to learning from you. Uh, Before we get to learn from you, we'd like to learn about you. If you could please share a bit more of your background and your passions and what's kind of led up to Amdana. Thank you. Yeah, sure. So my background, so I come from origin from India. But I left India many years ago, like I think 18 years ago. And my first part of my life was basically being an AI researcher. So I published some research papers. And then I went to did my master's in Cambridge, uh, Cambridge in the UK. And then I built a few startups. So I think that's kind of quite standard. And then what happened also was 2017 is when I felt that uh, making money is not something that interests me. And I just left my, my companies and I just didn't know what to do. So I just kind of took a break. And that was 2018 and 19 was very interesting for me because that two years I was luckily invited to speak in different conferences. So I I traveled around, I think over 30 countries, spoke in over hundred events and and be able to see the world, like, you know, from Kazakhstan, Belarus, Serbia, all over and many places I've been. And during that, that two year period or kind of before the COVID where I observed that there's a ton of people out there who have, access to knowledge, that who have the right knowledge and the right motivation and the technical skills. Because access to knowledge became very democratized over the last, say, five, six years. But those people do not have access to opportunities equally as someone, let's say, in, in the US might have. Um, now, that motivated me to think, like, how can I create a world or create something that would give equal access to opportunities to people from all over the world? So that was one of the first motivation that made me start Amdena. The second motivation was overall the, the AI and AI for good. Now, predominantly when people think about AI, they think about jobs being lost or they think about robots and, and autonomous cars and things like that. But I wrote a book in 2018. I, I kind of say that the biggest value of AI is solving social problems, helping mm. people who are at the bottom of pyramid, people who do not have access to healthcare, people who do not have access to to, to food or who, who do not have access to education, there's so much of things that could be done using AI. But there was not a lot of work was being done. Uh, although there was a lot of talk, but not a lot of work being done uh, in, in so-called AI for good. Uh, and these are the two reasons that made me think that, okay, why don't they go and build something where focus is solving social problems using AI, working with NGOs, impact startups, not, we don't work with corporations. so but engaging the global community, people from all over the world 
who can come together, get an opportunity to work on interesting problems, solve those problems, and develop their career also at the same time. So that's basically what made me uh, build Omlina. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you for your story. Thank you for your motivation. Congratulations, I think, on just following your passions, making that impact uh, on your speaking and on, on your writing. Because even if, if money is not your main motivation, a dude's got to eat, right? <laughs> so, so, <laughs> so, so congratulations there and just really the heart and passion behind Amdina. So real quick, how does Amdina work? Um, so I'm understanding this now as an, a network of you know, like-minded engineers um, providing opportunities for them to do what they do best for organizations that need them to do it. With the startups. And, uh, and also development or NGOs. So we work with a lot of UN bodies and, and kind of save the children and those kind of NGOs too. Now, what actually is a difference is that the unique thing that Amdena introduced is kind of the aspect of collaboration. So there are platforms where companies can say, okay, this is a problem we would like to solve and people from all over the world competing like hackathons and you know who are competing with each other to win a prize to solve a problem. Now, I don't believe that's the best way to solve the, the, the social or the future problems of the world. If we are serious about solving problems, we need to collaborate. People from all over the world come together, collaborate to solve those problems, not compete with each other to win a prize. Now, that's the unique model of Yomdena is where we take up these challenges. Uh, we have run till now over 300 challenges in, in I think, 55 or 60 countries, uh, organizations from those countries. Now, these challenges were 60 to 80 people come together for eight weeks and they're collaborating with each other, sharing the knowledge, learning from each other um, and together solving the problem without not trying to compete with each other. So that's where people not only actually end up solving problems, which I will later on explain it why this is a more ethical way to build solutions, but it also helps people to learn from each other, sharing the knowledge. Um, because if someone, let's, let's say, give an example, we worked in a, in a project with UNHCR in Somalia, and the goal was to understand if there is a correlation between climate anomalies and, and conflicts. Now, an engineer sitting in, in the US or in Europe will not have the context of the problem that they're trying to solve. Now, we had someone from Somalia. She was actually a refugee in Somalia who was also a data scientist. Now, she brought the context of the problem. She told it, oh, this is what the data actually means. This is the kind of data we should look at. While she was not an experienced, so the, the experienced data scientists were more able to solve the problem. So it, that's the way the collaboration should work. And that's the, the unique thing that Omdena is trying to, to promote is let's collaborate together and mm -hmm. not compete with each other. Yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense. I mean, the classic, like you think of a hand, right? And when it's competition, you've got one finger poking, right? But if you were to put it all together, right, this fist is going to make a much larger impact than that one that one finger might. I love it. So I think you've already kind of led into this very, very well, but let's introduce the topic of today's show, which is America. Building AI for the people, by the people. Is collaboration the key to building ethical and AI solutions for the future? So why? Why is it important to think about collaboration? Why is it important this topic for today's show? Yeah, so one of the biggest challenge in AI is ethics. And I can go on and explain a bit, but give you a very simple example. One of the big tech companies once built us uh, AI solution for recruitment. 
and it ended up being sexist. And you can see a lot of times that a lot of companies, they build solutions that have some bias. So it's not a problem of the algorithm, it's a problem of the data. Now data has biases. Why data has biases? Because people have biases. So once we generate the data, let's give you an example of recruitment again, coming back like this bias that male engineers tend to hire other male engineers. And it's just a bias that humans have. Now, once we are trying to build a model using that data, then that bias is somehow already inherited into the solution. Now, why collaboration is important? Because although I believe we are all have right intentions, I don't think anyone of us, or maybe there are some people, or most of us are not kind of have the bad intention of being racist or sexist. Exactly, we're not intentionally biased. Exactly. Yes. But we still have biases. Mm -hmm. Now, unless we collaborate, then another person can identify the bias that I might have or the data I might have. So they give it this example of recruitment that if female engineers who had faced bias during the recruitment process, they would have actually told, oh, this data is already biased because I know that I was faced that bias during my recruitment. So what I'm trying to say is that if you collaborate and collaboration is not just a collaboration of five people from the same region, collaboration across the globe, people from different backgrounds, different culture, when they come together and collaborate, they will identify these biases in the data much faster. And that would end up leading a more ethical solution development because that's the key of building an ethical solution is less identify the biases, de-bias the data and then build the solutions. So that's why the collaboration is so important when we actually build specifically AI solutions and ethical AI solutions. Um, I, I thought, go ahead. <clears throat> I'm curious, so you work on any vertical solving society solutions, right? Or do you have any specific one? No, we don't because we are engaging the global community, right? So we, we as a platform have, you know, over 10,000 people till now have been part of Amdena in various projects. So we are not limited by any vertical because the global community is not limited by any vertical. So there are people of all types of people everywhere, somewhere in the world. So that's the beauty of what we are doing. I love it. Um, before we get on to the specifics, because I do want to bring this back to the specifics of how your platform works and what that collaboration looks like, those, those dynamics. Mm -hmm. I do want to mm -hmm. take it back one step further. We talked about inherent biases, right, in, in a lot mm -hmm. of, artificial intelligence because of the, the data that's put into it. But let's just take it a step back and answer the question of why do we need solutions to be ethical in the first place? Like, I think it might be a kind of obvious answer, but perhaps not. Like, why does ethical AI matter? And particularly for the future. So, like, AI is going to be used in almost every aspect of our life. Like, whether, you know, it's from a software that is helping another person to recruit someone or a legal system. For example, even in the US, there was a legal system that was AI solution and it was by far, uh, you know, giving more prison sentence to blacks over whites. So it's fact that more and more AI systems will be used in the real world. Whether even at the level of our feed in social media, what we consume, what news we are reading, what everything is kind of driven by AI already and it will be more and more. Now, if we do not build this ethical solutions, which is more un, not biased, 
it will divide the society even more. As that's the most important thing. Now we cannot afford to build a solution that is kind of uh, like you know, a, a, a legal system that is perhaps uh, preferring one kind of race over another. We can't afford to do that. We can't afford to build a recruitment solution that is hiring one gender over another. I mean, we want to build an equal world and that's all we know that. And since AI solutions will be part of almost everything that we do, we need the solutions to be ethical. In the past, the humans, since, as I said, that humans have biases. So unfortunately, we didn't, we're creating an equal world because of the biases that humans have. And it's an opportunity for us now to actually create an equal world because we are able to perhaps build solutions that might be more ethical than humans are. Wow. And yeah. that's the point of why we need an ethical AI solutions. Wouldn't that be something? So how does it work? Um, how does Andena work? Uh, are people able to, I mean, walk us through everything from the organizations that you choose to partner with to the engineers that are, are helping? Um, how's it function exactly? Yeah. So let's say the start is an organization comes to us. I'll give you a real example. Like UNICEF came to us and said, hey, we want to give every school in South Sudan, I think, access to internet, or somehow we want to go and give them access to internet. That's their 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 project, but they don't know where the schools are. Okay, so, and there is no database of those schools. I mean, it's not like, you know, you have a structure of database where the schools are. It's a big region, they don't know where the schools are. So they say, okay, let's, how can we identify those schools? Then we said, okay, we take it as a project. We put it out as a project to our platform and over I think 400 people applied let's say to join this now when they when anyone applies to join they have to fill up some answers so the questions that we ask is why do you want to join this project why are you a good uh, member of the community and also your technical skills and how much time you could give so based on those answers we try to understand the person's both the technical skills but also the motivation why the person wants to do something and it's very important and then we build this team of 60 to 80 people out of these 400, 500 people who applied based on matching the, the, the right motivations, the skill set, the time commitment, and various other factors. What we have always seen that almost 40 to 50% of our collaborators are females. And it's not that we are trying to engineer that. It actually happens naturally, which was the, the really quite an interesting thing. That what I, I see that if we create equal opportunities, the, the equality of gender or race comes naturally. Normally, the 60 to 70, 80 people have 40% females, so 50% females have people from across four, or all the five continents. So that's kind of distribution that we always end up having. Um, and then they work for eight weeks with the organization under our platform. So we have the right processes, the tools, uh, the mentoring, the support that we need to provide them. Uh, and then they're collaborating and it's very bottom-up driven. So so there is the structure of top-down that we can tell them, oh, you need to do this or this, and you go and do that. But that won't work in these kind of environments. What we do is we say, look, we give you the problem. Now, it's your responsibility in a way to solve the problem. So come up with your ideas. And they start you know, coming up with new ideas and define the task. They're driving the task. So it's a purely a bottom-up environment where self-organized and self-learning is the key aspect. And, and, and this is how we end up building uh, the, the solution uh, that, for example, companies can then go and use it. Well, wow. and this is all volunteer on the engineer side? So what we have built is that 
the so there are eight weeks challenges that we call them. This, these are eight weeks challenges. These are volunteer. However, there are some roles like mentoring that where a person gets paid. But what we have actually ended up building is that once they start the journey in Amdena, they can start. So we have also, I didn't say that we have local chapters in over 85 locations in 30 countries or 35 countries around the world. So people can start the journey in, in the local chapters or in Amdena school, which is all for free. And then once they prove themselves, they can join these eight weeks challenges that are the core that we run. Once they prove themselves, then we provide them a path where they can go and become a, something we call top talent. And once they're a top talent of Amdena, then they can also earn money through Amdena. So we also run projects where we pay the collaborators also. So it's a path for anyone in the, anywhere in the world to come in, gain experience, work with people from all over the world, but also end up actually start earning money and ultimately get a job. So if you follow us on LinkedIn, you'll see that a lot of people post that, hey, we got a job, thanks to enough after working for six months and things, I, I got this job. And so, so it's what we have built is a, a path for anyone to come in who is motivated, who wants to give the time and have the right skill to go and build their career through Amdena. So it's, it's not just volunteer. Yeah. yeah, it's like networking in, in action. <laughs> like, because I think it's just like it's beautiful because you are able to find I think like-minded like passion people to actually see what they how they work you know what it's like working with them the talent that they produce the way that they ideate and presumably right this entire network is built around people who have you know jobs with other companies and things like that and it's like hey I need somebody like you come work with me and at the same time we're able to have positive impact around the world together i love it it's this is extremely ingenious and i love how it was born out of your own passions and observations uh as well um so let me let me see something about um any you mentioned unicef and the schools in sudan are there any other use cases or what what happened what can you share with us in terms of stories and real life impact the technology that this network has created I mean, there are so many stories. I mean, we have run over 20 projects, but give, I will give you another example. It's actually, it's a startup that we worked with in Germany. Um, and this is basically a sensor they're uh, building, which will they will put it in forest uh, and it will detect the smoke uh, when a forest fire hits. Okay. But the key is that it will only detect the, the smoke from a fire, not from other kind of smokes. Every kind of smoke has a different kind of, uh, let's say, combination. So we built the the, the AI model to, to detect the, the which will detect those those forest fires, but also then installed it in those sensors because these are let's say something we call edge devices. These are not models that can be deployed in a big cloud with a lot of resources because these are small devices that you have to go and install in the forest and in the trees. And they actually ended up installing that model in the in the uh, edge devices and which are already being put in the forest um i think for now in australia or in germany but also that's a real product that they're going and building this up so this is actually a physical product that is also using a hardware product that is using an ai model to detect for forest fire and potentially prevent uh, fires and save lives Amazing. That that's extremely fun, right? And I think in most emergencies, seconds, minutes, any type of alert that you can have, the sooner the better in such situations. I absolutely love it. Let's talk about this journey for you. Uh, mm -hmm. 
as as a leader and coming up with not only the idea, but then the process of actually making this happen. What was that process like for you? Maybe the steps that you took and perhaps some lessons learned in terms of what I did that I probably would have done differently now versus I really am glad that I made this decision. It was a good decision. And this is why. Well, I mean, you know, when I started, I mean, I didn't start it because I want to make another company and, you know, it was not a motivation. And what made that, what is the best thing about that is that I play, was able to play the role of more of an observer. Of course, I had an idea, but I could see what people want and listen to what they want. And they came up with all these great ideas and they were there. I could just see how people could collaborate. I mean, I was motivated and inspired by these people who are giving the time and working on weekends and solving this kind of problems together. So, so I think that what, and I also am kind of very spiritual person. So I kind of, you know, we didn't raise any investment for the startup. And I, I write a lot about community driven startups. I say that the future, if you are serious about building the, the future of the world in a good way, we should, we should build startups that are community driven. We should avoid taking money from the VCs because I don't think the VC money as the current model is, is good for the world. It's just pumping money to, to generate growth without actually being sustainable growth. So anyway, I talk about these things so, and I write a lot about it. And Omnena, right from the beginning, was a community-driven startup. L let people collaborate. So all that I was playing the role is mostly listening to them um, and not kind of imposing my views on people and just see how the process rolls out. So in the first year, no one really believed that you can actually get people who have never met strangers from around the world, come together, collaborate, not actually manage these people because we don't really manage them people and get something interesting and sometimes even sophisticated models that normally for a company could cost $50,000 or $100,000 to build. And, and that this idea that you could actually do that was most no one really believed it. And even I didn't know that. So what I did was I just say, let's see how it works out. And, and then slowly I was surprised the amount and the work that these people were putting in, the kind of models that they were building in. And then we started writing about it. And then the, when we started writing about it, other people started following us and they came to us, hey, can we also do this? Can we do that? So, so uh, what happened a lot is kind of an organic growth without trying to control too much. And this is also how I live my life is I don't try to control too much. Let, let it flow and see where it goes. Um, and, and I think that's the, the thing that I really did also in Amdena, but also in my life, I do that. And perhaps that's the only thing that I did right. Well, not the only thing, but I think that's the best thing that I did right while building this company. I love it. That's, that's fantastic. You plant the seed and, and see how it grows. And then I think when something is growing, you have the ability to sort of manipulate and, and do, you know, how you might, it might grow best. That's, that's, that's fantastic. So who are the type of people that you've discovered? Um, well, actually, no, I want to take this back. In terms of when you're building your team, selecting those groups of 60, 80 individuals from maybe the four or 500 people who, who uh, express interest in a project, are you utilizing your own AI to make those selections or is that a, a human process? What does that look like that's, in terms of your own tech? That's a human process. And in fact, the first year, Every single person who applied, I used to have a call with them. So my calendar, I remember, used to be full of like, you know, like 20 calls or 30 calls, each 15 minutes. I love talking to people. I love talking, getting to know these people, why they're you know, applying, why they're 
And so when they used to apply, and the, the beauty is that when they used to write why they want to be part of this, they would often share personal stories. I remember someone when we were working this forest fire detection, and one guy wrote that he lost his brother uh, in, in a forest fire or in a fire, and you know he's motivated to, to kind of work on this. So a lot of people used to write their personal stories at why they want to be part of this, this, this particular project. So I used to love to talk to them. And the first year was all like my intuition and nothing else. There was not, I don't think there was much other than my intuition just after doing 15 minutes call. The second year we got someone, uh, she joined and she then kind of helped us to structure that kind of the, the application, but not through AI. And even now there's a human process. A person still goes through the applications and reads it if necessary, often does a call. Um, we haven't automated it, we might, but I still think that this need to create this human touch, right? When when people write something very personal stories, I would still rather have a human read those stories and kind of decide it rather than make a machine kind of uh, decide that. Mm -hmm. or, or perhaps like you're saying, like the recruitment example, maybe uh, begin with some artificial intelligence elements in terms of to reduce bias and things like that from the very beginning. And then as it kind of gets further down into that funnel, ultimately a, a human would be making the decisions because you know, like you said, I think there's a human element that a machine may never be able to, to replicate. Yeah, I mean, I think the, I would have been thought about solving this problem to a machine if I think there's a problem. But as I said, like currently, even without engineering this, like we don't force this diversity. We always have around 40% females. We always have people from across five continents. We even if we just pick the best people, it just happens organically. So I think that our selection process, I'm quite happy about it. Uh, so I don't see the need of solving a problem. I also think that we shouldn't use AI just for the sake of using it. Mm. So AI, if you really need to solve a problem, just don't start using an AI for the sake of using it. So, so in, a, in my case, I don't see a problem, to be honest, in the selection process yet. That would make me think that, okay, I should use a, a machine to, to solve it. How is that you come out with the four C's that I see on your website, which are curiosity, compassionate, collaborative, and conscious? Why those? It's interesting you asked me this. I mean, this is actually a principle that I wrote even a week ago. And this kind of represents, in a way, me and my personality. So I wrote an article about AI, and I said that AI needs to have these three aspects, compassionate, collaborative, and conscious. And I gave you the why, I actually write reasons that why we need to build technology or AI, which is compassionate, which is collaborative, being more ethical, compassionate, because we really need to be compassionate about things that we are building for other people. And consciousness is also very, very important because, you know, at the end, I, you know, I, as I say, I'm very spiritual. I think consciousness is collective. We all are one. We might be look differently, have different race, color, whatever, but we all are one. And, and if we are want to build future technologies, future solutions, we need to see, act as like we are part of one group together. So I always believe that these three aspects, the compassion, collaboration, consciousness is something actually I wrote before and it's something I try to also work on even myself. Like, you know, I, maybe I'm not always compassionate. So then I'm trying to be compassionate. The one thing that I, I very much important, I, I'm reading this book. I don't know how much you guys know. It's called, it's a uh, autobiography of Ram Das. And, and he writes about this idea that we as humans have to also improve ourselves if you want to serve other people. So it's no more that we just go and do good to the world unless we work on ourselves 
who will not be able to do good to the world. So all those three aspects that I said, compassion and also curiosity, like we as humans have to be curious, we have to be compassionate, we have to be collaborative and consciousness. This is absolutely important as humans to develop in us if we also want to build companies and solutions that are doing good to the world. Uh, and there is a line, I, 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 if you've seen the website, you know, just under these four uh, principles, I write that it is ourselves we are helping, it is ourselves we are healing. And, and it's actually a, from a book that I read, um, which I thought is very important that we need to first work on ourselves and only then as humans, if we are in, individually, we are have those aspects, then we will also end up creating companies and products that will have those aspects. Right. And I, I think what you're saying, just like, is this the reason why, going back to what you said at the beginning of the show, if people are given the opportunity, right, the collaboration and everything naturally happens. And you think this is the reason why you just naturally and organically have this diversity in all of the the perfect mix of individuals to work on a project because the yeah. opportunity is there? Opportunity, but we also, like, how we select those people. Who are those people? Because a lot of those people, like, you know, I think are themselves also very compassionate because they want to solve the problem. They're also collaborative in nature. They're also very conscious. So, so we naturally get people who apply to Amdena who are have those features also. And then once you pick the right people, then you don't need to manage those people because they're self-driven, they're self-motivated. So that's why this works out. And is this an absolutely organic network that's being created as well? Do you have to do any like marketing on this or is this pretty much referral? I have the same question, like outbound, inbound, because I can see that inbound is working here. But how do you promote this? So um, as actual fact, we haven't spent a single dollar on advertisement, not a single dollar. Uh, we, of course, have a marketing team uh, that you know uses social media, as you know, perhaps in our LinkedIn, we have over, I think, almost 27, 23,000 followers. Uh, we have local chapters in, as I said, 85 chapters in over 30 countries. People, we every month, almost 30 people apply to start their new chapters. And these are talking about from all over the world, from El Salvador, and, you know, Tanzania, Botswana. Not, not just to participate, but to actually no, no. create a chapter. Yeah, wow. participate over 100 countries. We have participants in 106 countries, actually. But these are people who want to open a chapter in their given countries. And I am actually recently going and talking to some of those people. And I had yesterday, I think, called with someone from Nigeria. Um, and we have chap six chapters in Nigeria. We have chapters in the Philippines. Like, we have all over the world, we have chapters, in, as I say. And these people are also driven. They say that, okay, they came to Amdena, they, they experienced, they learned, and now they want to open a chapter in the given country so that they can pass on that knowledge to other people. Right. So, so this is all organic, actually. This is all driven by people who are motivated to they learn and they are interested to share their knowledge to others. They want to help others. This is why the compassionate is so important that because we work with people who are compassionate, they're not just self, you know, centered or selfish. Once they get the benefit, they want to go and give the benefit. So we have Omdena School, and Omdena School, we have courses all for free because the instructors create those courses, spending hours, you know, sometimes even 30, 40, 50 hours for free because they benefited from Omdena. And they say, okay, now I need to go and give a course so that others can benefit from it. So, so that's how this whole organic growth happens. And if you just follow us on LinkedIn, you'll see that how many people almost every day post about their experiences about Omdena. 
that oh they help this help them this, so this is all organically just keeps on growing beautiful beautiful i love it the idea of getting and giving and how that just grows exponentially. Unfortunately, Rujita, we're at the end of our half an hour today, so we do need to wrap up the show. It was certainly very enlightening, educational, and inspiring for, I mean, obviously our audience is made up of uh, C-level executives primarily and the software engineers who work for their tech companies. So all of you audience members do check out Omdema, see how you can't participate, uh, learn and uh, grow and help others learn and grow as well and to make a real true impact on the world around us. Uh, thank you once again, Rujadab, for your time today. Uh, thanks a lot for having me. I really enjoyed the conversation. Yes, my pleasure. Um, but hang on just a minute before we go off air. But before we do, we'd like to introduce tomorrow's show. What do we got going up, uh, coming up, America? We have tomorrow. It's going to be a really interesting topic that now that we we can lead up to, you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion. This interview is going to be with Joel King Kazar, 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 founder and chief scientist at Cash Labs Foundation. The topic is, again, diversity, equity, and inclusion in Web3 and Web2. How can we design Web3 with diversity, inclusion, and accessibility in mind? That is going to be tomorrow at 10 a.m. Pacific. Perfect. Thank you, everyone. See you then. And until then, uh, stay safe. Bye for now. Bye. Check out past episodes, transcripts, blogs, and more on our website, dojo.nearsoft.com.